Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Sam, who takes us through his wife Kelsey's two pregnancy and birth stories. Sam details deciding to fall pregnant as it felt like the next step for their family and he takes us through Kelsey's first pregnancy into her labour story and then eventually her emergency c-section birth. Sam talks about what that experience was like for him and then how they sort of got through the next week or so and then once they went home Kelsey experienced some really serious postnatal depression and he talks us through sort of what that was like from his perspective also experiencing some postnatal depression himself and I think that's a really important topic that we don't talk about enough is dads or yeah other partners in a family having postnatal depression too. So Sam talks us through that experience and then he also takes us through sort of the plans that they put in place for their next baby when they decided that they wanted to try and fall pregnant again. They obviously didn't want to have the same experiences with postnatal depression and mental health concerns so they put lots of plans in place around what the birth would be like and what they decide to do post-birth but Kennedy, little monkey, had um, other ideas and she ended up arriving at 27 weeks and she was in the NICU and special care units for quite a while so Sam talks us through what that experience was like for him and for Kelsey and obviously not what they had planned for. So yeah, it's a really interesting episode. Sam does an amazing job of talking through the experiences that his family and himself have been through. I just think that he is the most amazing father by talking to him. He's just, yeah, he seems to have it all together, which is awesome. So really appreciative of Sam for coming on the podcast and sharing their journey with us. I hope you enjoy the episode and I would love to hear your feedback at the end. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. No, it's not a problem. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Would you like to tell us a little bit about you and who's in your family? So uh, I am father to Brooke, who's almost four, um, and little girl Kennedy, who is almost one. Uh, my wife, Kelsey, uh, she's a teacher. I'm a surveyor for a large international consultancy company, um, and we live in the sunny Hawke's Bay. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And how old were you when you became a dad? With Brookie, I was 28. It was sort of, for us, the next thing on yeah. the list of things to do. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And so were you guys trying for the pregnancy? Yeah, yeah. With with Brookie, we were. Um, yeah. It was, as I said, yeah, it was the next thing to do. Like We, we got married, bought a house. Yeah. Um, Kelsey's sister was pregnant. She already had um, a two-year-old. So it was sort of, yeah, the next thing that we were trying to do 
Yeah, awesome. And did it take you long or was it a relatively straightforward sort of process? With with Brookie, it was it wasn't too bad. Like we thought it was a long time. Um yeah. but in in the swing of things with other people it was actually pretty pretty short. I think it was only Kelsey will listen to this and she'll tell me I'm wrong, but maybe only <laughs> nine months or something like that, six to nine months yeah. or something. Yeah, cool. And did you sort of have any expectations of it maybe taking that long or longer or you sort of didn't really know what to expect? I don't think we obviously Kelsey had the expectation that it was gonna you know, happen pretty quickly or want it to happen pretty quickly. Um, I, I'm the sort of person that just sort of goes with the flow. So however yeah. long it takes, it takes. Um, so there wasn't, yeah, the expectation that it was going to happen within three months sort of thing, or it sure. wasn't going to take two years. But yeah, I think we, we were pretty lucky with for how long it did take. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And when you found out that your partner was pregnant, how did you sort of feel then? Was it a bit of a shock or were you, yeah, just sort of going to take us through how that felt? With, when we found out with, um, Brookie, it was actually, we were really happy. We were really stoked. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a sort of, we found out, we tried to keep it a secret. Um, <laughs> we ended up having to tell a few people early, um, and telling parents and all that sort of stuff to, to keep them informed. But yeah, it was actually, yeah, yeah really, really exciting time. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And what were your sort of expectations of what the next nine or so months might be like for your wife? Did you have sort of any friends or yeah, close family that had been pregnant before and did you sort of know what to expect? Yeah, we, we sort of had a pretty good inkling of what was going to happen. Um, Kelsey's sister had obviously had a two year old. Um, so Kelsey had sort of been quite involved with that. Um, Kelsey has both her pregnancies have been amazing. Um, she hasn't had any real serious morning sickness or anything like that. So yeah. um, we were we were pretty good with Brooke. Um, Kelsey was still going to the gym five or six times a, a week with me, right up until um, her due date, pretty much. So oh, amazing. <laughs> we, we didn't really change too much with Brooke. Um, yeah. We sort of just carried on as we were, which yeah. was quite nice. Yeah, awesome. And sort of, I, I asked this question because I get this message a lot on the podcast um, from other partners who are maybe a little bit worried about how the dad is feeling. So, did you feel a bond with your baby, I guess, during pregnancy, or was that something that more came after? I think um, for me, it was definitely after. Yeah. Um, I don't. It's a it's a little bit tricky for dads, and I know talking to a few others as well that. It, because pregnancy obviously is so heavily related to the female, um, we, it, yeah, we don't really have that bond unless you're yeah. quite heavily involved. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's it's yeah as much of a bond with the baby as as the mother. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think um, it'll be comforting for, for some out there to hear that. So that's awesome. And did you guys yeah, go yeah. to any antenatal classes or sort of do any birth education with your partner? Yes. So we, we went to antenatal classes um, yeah. and we, we sort of had really high hopes for those. Um, obviously, Kelsey's sister had been through them before and she'd made really, really good friends through, through that. Um, and when we went along, it was such a diverse group that – um, there was, yeah, really young couples, really old couples, international yeah. couples, um, 
And so we were sort of walked in and gone, oh, it's so diverse. We still made a couple of good friends out of it, um, but we sort of didn't, it sort of didn't meet our expectations of, sure. of a few things. Um, and in, in terms of the classes, looking back on it now, there, there would be a hell of a lot of stuff that I'd love to change about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of information about, about the pregnancy and about the birth and, and that sort of stuff, but I don't think there was quite enough, um, especially around the mental health side of things. Yeah. Um, and around sort of going home. Um, yeah. which I think is kind of almost more important than, the birth because you've got your midwife and you've got you're at the hospital and all that sort of stuff with the birth whereas at home sometimes it's it's just you yeah um and so there's yeah there's a lot of pressure coming straight out of the hospital with the support of the midwives and the hospital staff and and yeah. all that and then coming home it's almost yeah it, it hits you pretty hard sometimes yeah, for sure. I think um, that's probably a pretty similar feeling to a few, quite a few people I've had on the podcast before. The antenatal classes are, yeah, all about pregnancy and birth and, and not a whole lot about what happens after when the reality is the birth is really short and yeah, the after yeah. is really long. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to you. Um, yeah. It's it's, a, it's definitely a fine line as well because yeah. especially with the mental health things, like you don't want to go too in depth with the yeah. the whole post, postnatal depression and all that sort of stuff because it starts putting a bit of a fear into sure. people. Yeah. Um but it is also quite a large a large problem in some sort of respect. Yeah. Um yeah. so it is kind of important to touch on it a bit more than what they touched on it in, in our classes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when Kelsey went into labor, do you want to take us through that? Was it spontaneous and what were you sort of doing to support her at the time? With uh, with Brock, um, Kels, Kels started really, really good. Um, she went into labor really early in the morning, um, woke up and literally thought she'd wet the bed, but it was her waters breaking mm -hmm. at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and we were we were out walking um, during the morning. That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to go for a walk. She felt comfortable doing all of that. Um, and as things progressed during the day, I was basically on waterboy duties. I was getting food and drink and doing whatever she needed me to do sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it was just the support, trying to keep her happy and keep her comfortable and, and all that sort of stuff. Do you want to talk us through sort of what happened for the rest of the day and then into your uh, labour and birth story? Uh, yeah, so we obviously Cal started at 6 in the morning. Um, we waited out the day contacting the midwife during the day, letting her know how, how it was going on. Um, we ended up having to tell our midwife um, at about 11 o'clock at night um, that Kels needed to go into hospital because it was starting to get a bit too much. Um, Hastings has two birthing units. Um, so they have a what they would sort of class as a straightforward birthing unit and a yeah. hard birthing unit. Um, we started in the in the easy unit. Um, Cal started in the pool. Um, she is forever saying that she's got a very poor pain tolerance. <laughs> um, she went through Brookie's pregnancy without any pain relief. Um, she didn't want an EP. She the most she had during her um, labour in the in the pool was a bit of gas every now and then, and that was yeah. that was as much as she could handle. Um, 
<clears throat> she was in the pool for quite a while. Um, and then Brooke's heart rate dropped quite significantly. And she was taken out of the pool uh, by the midwife and said, look, well, now we need to get some more people in. And so a whole team of specialists came into the room. Um, Kels, obviously this wasn't part of our plan. Yeah. Um, and Kels pretty much went into shock. Um, so she was, yeah, she was quite knackered by this stage. Um, yeah. and so she got monitored pretty closely. Um, she got the heart rate monitors put on her stomach for Brooke. Um, she was monitored quite, quite well as well. Um, and they made the decision to move us over to the other side of the hospital, um, to the other unit. Yeah. Because things were starting to get a little bit more complicated. Um, and she carried on. Um, laboring in there for a while and then ended up pushing for over two hours. Um, with nothing, nothing happened. Um, Brookie didn't want to come out. He was, uh, spine to spine. Um, yeah. and so he, he was starting to get a little bit ratty as well. So he was starting to show signs of a bit of stress. So they made the decision, um, to go in for an emergency C-section. And, um, we got told later that it was a category one. Yep. which is the highest highest level that you can sort of get. They rushed us straight through. Um, we were separated for about 15 minutes while I was gowned up and the midwife was gowned up. So Kels was sort of sitting in theatre by herself with the theatre yeah. staff while we were sort of out getting ready, um, taken into the room. Um, then quite a few things happened in the theatre, which were extremely <laughs> scary. Um, the anaesthetist struck a nerve in Kelsey's back twice, um, putting the um, spinal block in um, because she was still having contractions at this point. So, mm. yeah, trying to put the, the needle in was not very fun. I've st I can still see Kels shooting her left side out sideways mm -hmm. as soon as the just put the needle in. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just her laying on the table, shaking continually because of the shock. Yeah. Um, pretty horrifying. Yeah. Um, and she when when they finally got Brookie out, um, he was fine. There was no issues with him. He was, you know, he was perfectly fine. He was he was a big boy. Um, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, because Kels was so stressed and so tired, she couldn't she couldn't hold him. She couldn't look at him. She was just naked. She just needed space. Yeah. Um, so I was the first person to hold Brookie, um, which was cool. And that, I think that's where that bond came out yeah. as well because I was the person to sort of hold him. Yeah. Um, so that was actually quite nice. But, yeah, it was one of the most scariest yeah. days of life. <laughs> yeah. And how long did yeah. you guys end up spending in the hospital after that? Was it quite a long recovery for Kelsey or what was that like? Yeah, we were in hospital for five days, I think it was. Um, we were sort of, we were almost ready to go on day three. Um, but we had an interesting time with the midwives yeah. in the hospital. Um, and Brookie wasn't a great feeder. Um, and he wasn't latching properly. And there was a few things that they were saying that were sort of making life a little bit difficult for Kels. Yeah. Um, in terms of breastfeeding and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we were finally out. Yeah. We finally got to go home on day five after everything was sorted at that stage. Yeah. So 
yeah, it was definitely a lot longer than what we'd hoped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you feel going home? Obviously, your whole life has changed and you've got this new little person in your family that you're completely responsible for. So how did you guys sort of find that initial change in your life? And, yeah, what were those first few weeks like at home with your new baby? Um, Going home was really, really good. Um, there was sort of a bit of a relief to be out of the hospital and sort yeah. of being a, be able to do what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. Um, but things sort of escalated another way um, after a couple of days. Yeah. Kels had, um, because she'd had such a tough time with the birth and with the five days in hospital, um, she developed pretty severe postnatal depression. Yeah. Uh, about day three um, and by sort of day five out of being from being out of hospital um, she was in at the GPs getting um, meds basically to sort of yeah. um, even, her, even her back out so that was that was quite a big shock um, and we we were quite lucky that our midwife picked it up really really quickly yeah um and the support was there pretty fast for Kels to, to get on on top of it um she still didn't come right for quite a long time after that yeah um, she had to work really 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 hard to want to be Rookie's mum yeah um and want to want to be there for him um and she she'd always sort of had this inkling that she would she wanted to breastfeed for a wee while but it just didn't work yeah and so she had all those struggles with um, not wanting to breastfeed and not wanting to um, feed him like that. Um, it wasn't because she couldn't. It's just because of how mentally challenging it was for yeah, her. Yeah, sure. Um, so we had challenges around trying to get him on formula and found out a couple of months later that he was actually dairy intolerant. So oh, we no. were battling with that. We yeah. tried all sorts of stuff. Um, and he just wasn't a happy fella um, yeah. on formula, so we ended up having to go to prescribed formula, um, yeah. which sorted him out. But yeah, that 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 first couple of weeks was definitely not what we would expected. Yeah, um, and how did you sort of? Um, I guess did you notice the signs in in Kelsey around postnatal depression, and what was that experience like for you? I mean, I've talked to. Um, quite a few mums who've had postnatal depression and what that was like from their side. But yeah, really interested to hear about how that was for you and and how you felt you were able to support Kelsey through that. It was it was pretty scary. Yeah. Um, from from the point of view of that, I didn't know how to fix it. Yeah. Um, I think from a partner's perspective, you want to try and fix it. Um, because that's what you want to do you want to look after your, your loved one and you want yeah, to try and course. fix the issue for them but it's it's not a it's not a problem for you to fix it's a problem for you to support yeah um so there was a mindset change of going from the fixing to trying to support her through it and sort of allow her to do what she needed to do and sort of feel what she needed to feel but also yeah. support her through that that something was actually going to get better yeah um and we had quite a good support group with Kels, um, and we were quite fortunate to be able to um, go down the path of getting her into um, into the right care through the hospital system. 
um, and finding out that that wasn't actually what she needed and she needed to go into the private system to sort of get what she needed um, yeah. because the hospital system didn't really do enough for her. Um, so we were fortunate enough to be able to afford to to do that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a feeling that I would never want to put on anybody else to yeah. to see their partner go through such a, a struggle and then not want to be the parent when they've looked yeah. forward to it for so long. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, it was, it was, it was very hard and frustrating. Um, I think my mental health suffered a little bit as well. For sure. Yeah. Um, Kels, Kels always looks back on it and goes, you, you probably had a bit of postnatal depression as well, which mm-hmm. men can get as well. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's an odd situation. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to put it. Yeah. And what were you sort of doing to, um, I guess, get through the initial period? And I completely agree that partners definitely can be and do have postnatal depression. So mm. what were you sort of able to do um, during that time to survive, I guess, as a dad and a new dad and trying to support your wife and, yeah, so much on your plate? So what were some sort of things that you were able to do to just get through each day? I think. Um, just finding time to sort of step out from everything yeah. is a big one. Um, we sort of further along down the track, we were sort of making time for ourselves yeah. to go off and, and go and do what we needed to do, whether that was go to the gym or go for a run or go out and sit at the beach and bore your eyes out or something like that. Yeah. But it was just sort of getting away from um, from home and, and, and unfortunately from, from Brookie. Sure. Um, so just to have some space, yeah. um, clear your head. And that sort of stuff. Um, I I didn't go and see anybody. Um, I did have a counsellor for a little while, um, just to work through a few things. But other than that, was yeah, we sort of we talked a lot. Um, we both learnt a lot from what Kels was going through and who she was talking to and yeah. and what she was going um, learning through her psychologist and, and yeah. psychiatrist and all that sort of stuff. So what she learned was sort of passed on to me, which helped me in a roundabout way sure yeah that makes sense yeah yeah and sort of as you progressed through um i guess that initial period of bringing brooke home and and having all of those struggles for the first few months was it a couple of months later that you sort of started seeing the light both you and kelsey and brooke having um him on the right formula as well or do you want to take us through sort of um yeah i guess the few months after that yeah so a couple of months down the track, once we'd sort of got Brookie sorted in terms of um, his feeding and knowing that he was looked after and not um, being intolerant to his, his yeah. feed and all that sort of stuff. And um, it was sort of Brookie's birth and him growing up for the first couple of months was right around the period where um, there was a big push for tongue tie and lip tie to be corrected and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and that that played a big part in, in Kelsey's decisions and, and what she was sort of going through as well. And sort of we had a few meetings with um, specialists about that and sort of decided, no, we're not going to do anything. He's not that bad. Yeah. Um, and sort of once we'd made a few big key decisions to sort of look after Brock and look after ourselves a bit better, we, we did come right. Um, Kelsey once Kelsey had sort of been in the mental health system for a while, um, seeing care, she came, she came right. Yeah. Um, and then it did, it just sort of clicked one day. Um, 
obviously you still have your down days and you know you still have your periods where you yeah, think it's course. you know it's the worst thing but overall we we sort of got to a point where we could do and feel the way we wanted to about what was happening yeah um so yeah it was quite good a couple of months down the track like we always joked that you know we'd love a nine month old baby instead of a newborn <laughs> yeah um because i've done that little bit of growing up and i've sort of got a little bit of a personality and they can smile and and sort of show a bit more love to you rather than sort of being a feeding sleeping <laughs> pulling machine it's sort of funny thing. <laughs> i think i've had um, a mum on the podcast before say that you're either a newborn parent or you're like a yeah nine month plus parent so yeah. i can definitely relate yeah. to that yeah yeah, for sure. Awesome. And do you want to take us through, I guess, um, did you guys decide that you wanted to try for a second pregnancy and what that was like and sort of when you made that decision? So initially, um, it was a big flat out no. Yeah. Uh, after everything that Kelson yeah. and went through with, with Brookie, we sort of said, no, nah, we, we can't do this again. Um and I was fully supportive with Kels. Like I'd always said that we were going to have two kids. Um, that was, that was it. That was the number. Um, but at the end of the day, it's Kels's body. She's the one that grows it. Sure. Um, grows the baby. She's the one that has to, you know, if she chooses to feed the baby, um, she's the one that spends the majority of the time at home with the baby. Um, so I was fully supportive of her decision to turn around and go, no, we don't want another one. Um, and it took a long time. Um, for her to sort of go, yeah, okay, maybe it might be a good idea. Um, and she sort of wanted to do it more for Brookie. Yeah. Um, to have, have a sibling rather than be by himself. Sure. Um, so that was sort of a big part for her to, to realize, yeah, we'll, we'll have another one. Um, and it was, it was definitely a big decision. Um, we had to weigh up a whole lot of stuff and sort of realize that what we'd learned through our first time, um, we, we were in a position to work around it if it happened again. Yeah. Um, we had processes in place. So we sort of went, yep, yeah, no, nah, we can do this. We'll, we'll have another one. Um, which is really good. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't want to be in a position of going, no, we'll just write it off and, and Cal's sort of resenting that decision maybe five years yeah. down the line. Sort yeah. of thing. So it was, it was good that she did come to the realization that we could could have another one yeah for sure and how was the sort of journey to this pregnancy was it reasonably straightforward like your first or what was it like uh definitely not straightforward yeah. <laughs> nothing straightforward for us anymore <laughs> um we we were trying for maybe a year yeah um the second time around um we we were we ended up going starting to look down the fertility um side of things um we were seeing we were almost seeing a specialist um and i i ended up going and getting a test done yeah. um, to see whether the, my guys were actually working properly still um and thankfully they were um so we were told it's just a matter of timing like you know we're both fine there's no issues with either of us it's just sure. a timing thing um and so i think maybe a month after I went and did the test, um, Kels fell pregnant. Yeah. So that was a relief. Um, it sort of reiterated that, you know, we were on the right track. We were doing everything right. It was just, you know, a timing thing. It wasn't working. 
Yeah. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was after a year or so of trying. Um, Kelsey's pregnancy with, um, with Kennedy was pretty good. Um, she had a little bit more morning sickness than what she had with Brookie. Yeah. Um, and obviously second, second time around pregnancy, you're not, yeah. You, you, you've got a you've got a two year old or a, a three year old <laughs> yeah. or another one to look after, so life is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she had a few things to to work through and work around and and whatnot. Um. And then yeah, she Kennedy decided that it was um a good idea to come twelve weeks early. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to take us through? I guess just before we jump into that, do you want to take us through what your sort of conversations were around what you might hope um, for Kelsey's birth this time and what your sort of thoughts were around that initial period after Kennedy would be born and, yeah, what were your sort of plans and thoughts um, before she arrived? So we we put a massive plan in place um, and it was sort of part of our our reasoning behind having a a second baby was to we'll have this plan in place um we'll follow this and this is what's going to happen yeah um we chose to go with a different midwife um this time and she was fully supportive of our plan um and she was fully supportive of what Kels had been through and sort of what Kels wanted to do in the future yeah um we decided that Kels was going to have a um elective c-section yeah um because she didn't want to labor again that scared her to bits um and so we'd we'd selected a date everything was sort of on track for that elective c-section day um Kelsa decided um with the support of our midwife that she wasn't going to breastfeed um, yeah. because she had the the mental issues um last time with Brookie sure. um, and not being able to to want to do it so she thought no I'm just going to make life easier for me um and decide to bottle feed yeah. Um, which is which is really good. Like at the end of the day, um, we both came to the conclusion that a fed baby is is a happy baby, yeah. whether it's um, formula fed or breastfed, and sure. you know it is whatever's easiest. Um, and yeah, we had you know we had our mental health um, side of things. We'd we'd learnt a lot from Brookie um, that period with Brooke, so we were sort of in a good place. We had everything mapped out. Um, and we were ready to go, basically. Yeah. yeah, and so do you want to take us through what actually happened then? I um, I read the email <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to sort of talk us through um, Kelsey's labour starting and when it was and what happened from there. Yeah, so um, Kelsey woke up the, the morning of um, about 4 o'clock in the morning with a bit of a stomach pain. Um, thought it was just a funny tummy um and she she couldn't sleep um she had no idea that it might have been um contractions or anything like that she just yeah. thought oh i've got a funny tummy you know it's just a bit of a sickness um she and slept in the lounge how long was she at this point um or oh, whatever kennedy was born 12 weeks early so okay so i think you said in your um, <laughs> i think you said in your email she was 27 and 6 when she was yes, poor, yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I should know that date. I've okay. said that to so many people, but <laughs> um, yeah. So Kels, Kels slept in the in the lounge that morning, uh, that night. Um, I got up in the morning and she said, "Look, I'm I'm feeling a bit funny. What what did we do?" And I said, "Well, might pay to to ring our midwife." Um, and so Kels rang the midwife, told her what was going on, 
And she said, oh, just, we'll get, we'll go to the hospital and, and, you know, chuck you on the machine and just see what's going on and get you checked for a little bit. Um, and she said, just take a bag, um, cause you might be there all day. So just take a bag, just for a change of clothes or anything that you might want. Yeah. And so we were sort of going, oh yeah, cool. Well, good. No, that's not contractions. That's sweet as. We were a little bit worried. Um, so dropped Brock off at my mum's, um, for the day and went over to the hospital. Kels went into um, the maternity ward. She got put on the machine on the monitors um, and the nurse sort of looked at it for a little while, looked up, looked at it a little while longer mm. and said, no, they're, they're contractions. And we're like, what? No. She's like, yeah, they're, they're contractions. And we sort of just looked at each other and we're like, what the hell is going mm. on? Like, this is not supposed to be happening. Um, and so Kels was monitored for quite a little bit longer. Um, and the contractions are sort of getting a little bit heavier and a little bit closer together sort of thing. Um, so they brought in another team of specialists. <laughs> We've seen so many specialists yeah. in that hospital. It's not funny. Um, and they were like, yeah, no, it's, it's going to happen. Um, it's you, you're going to have the baby today. And we, we both just looked at each other and were like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah. this is not supposed to happen. It's way too early. Pretty much just burst into tears. Um, I remember ringing my mum and she was in Mida 10 with Brock at the playground. Mm. And I said, Kelsey's going to have the baby today. And she just let out this howling scream. Mm. Um, and she said to me that a whole lot of people just came running over to her to see what was going on. And she, yeah, she, she was just complete shock. Yeah. Um, and so the doctors gave, um, Kels the steroids or oh, the, the first round of meds were to stop the contractions. I think Kels had two of those, um, and the contractions didn't stop. So they gave her the steroids to help bring on, um, baby's lungs to strengthen them up, um, because they're the last thing to develop, I think. So they were quite underdeveloped. Yeah. Um, and so, I think the steroid, ideally they want the steroids in for about 24 or 48 hours before the baby's born just to bring the lungs up. Um, Kels had the steroids in for maybe a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, so they didn't really have much effect on Kennedy. And, um, pretty soon after Kels started going into pretty decent labor, um, again, someone who claims to have a very poor pain tolerance um both the mid our new midwife and the couple of specialists that were in there were sort of looking at cows going your 10 centimeters dilated how are you still able to have a conversation mm -hmm. um you're not looking like someone who's about to give birth yeah um which is which is quite good for cows like she didn't have an epidural she yeah. didn't have that chance um we asked whether we could have a c-section um and they said no it's just you just gonna have to labor which scared Kels because obviously it wasn't part of our plan. Sure. Um, so yeah, she had to go through the whole labor again. Um, and she did really well. Like she, she did superbly with what she went through. Um, and it's actually, we got told by the doctors in there that it's actually harder to birth a baby of, um, Kennedy's size because they don't try and move mm -hmm. and try and sort of force their way out. They yeah. just there. Um, so that was a little bit of a struggle. Um, and so when Kennedy was born, um, she was a little bit stuck. 
and I still remember the the doctor standing down the business end um, telling Kels to push, you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job. Whoa! And Kennedy popped out <laughs> and he almost dropped her on the ground, oh <laughs> um, which, was, which was quite funny. He sort of caught her and put her on the bed and sort of looked up at me and goes, whoops. <laughs> and so that was a little bit of, little bit of a humorous part of um, the whole process. And he, he was quite you know jovial about the whole thing. Um, and they whisked Kennedy away instantly, um, put her on the, on the, on the special machines that they, they do for the preemie babies. And I, I remember sort of holding Kelsey's hand and sort of supporting her while she was gathering herself after, after giving birth and just watching. And one of the, one of the doctors just looked at me and went, yep, nodded her head and just said, yep, she's okay. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was a bit of a relief. Um, she was, she was straight on to, um, a ventilator to help her breathing. Um, she was in a plastic bag to sort of try and keep her, her warm and safe sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then she was whisked away into the, the Niku Skibu sort of area. Um, and we were sort of in the birthing unit with Kels while she sort of got herself ready. Um, and sort of finished everything up and she was stitched back together. Um, she had a little tear. Um, and again, another scariest moment of my life like yeah. again <laughs> going going through that after going through what we did with Brocky it was just heart-wrenching yeah um, to sort of have to do that all over yeah. again and they'd, they'd been telling us throughout the whole day that you're going to be in Wellington um, you're going to have to go to Wellington and we didn't really know what that meant yeah um, fully we knew we had to go obviously because Kennedy was so little so yeah we they said, no, you'll be on the plane out tonight. And we were, me and Kels were sort of looking at each other going, well, what do we do? Mm -hmm. I need to look after Kels. I need to be here for Kels because she's she's not going to be with her baby. Um, she's just given birth. She's just done everything that she didn't want to do. I was worried about her mental yeah. health. Um, and then I'm worried about Kennedy. I don't want to leave Kennedy by herself. And we, you know, we, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to sort of look after everybody. Yeah. Um, and in the end, made the decision that, Kelsey's going to stay in Hastings um, for the night um, and her sister was going to come and stay with her so that she had someone with her the whole time, Yeah, um, which is really, really good. And so we didn't see Kennedy for maybe a couple of hours while they were sort of getting her onto all of her, um, all of her machines and her ventilator and all that sort of stuff and while Kelsey was getting herself sorted. Um, and then we sort of had maybe, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half with Kennedy in Skibu. Um, we got a couple of photos. We sort of got to hold her hands. Um, and it was tough. Yeah. It was really, really tough seeing seeing a baby so small um, that would pretty much just fit in your hand in a plastic box and not being able to do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, your immediate want is to, to hold your baby and yeah. to make it safe and, and give it a cuddle and, and whatnot. But we couldn't. You know, our, our babies in a plastic box with all sorts of monitors on her and ventilated down her throat. Yeah. Um, she was bruised. Her face was black and blue because she'd had such a rough exit yeah. and almost being dropped on the floor. And, yeah, it, it just we were both sort of not knowing what to do. We yeah. just had this vague look on our face. Um, and then they called up the flight team from Wellington and they came down, um, and they were really, really good. Um, the the couple of um, doctors that were on that plane, I've full 
respect for those those two for just being able to have such a serious situation and being able to keep me mm. calm. Um, it was actually flying on the plane was actually the the, the sort of grounding moment yeah. because I knew I was sitting up front. I couldn't see exactly what was going on with Kennedy, but I could sort of see at the corner of my eye that they, the doctors on the plane weren't actually doing that much. Yeah. Um, which is kind of good because I didn't have to worry. Yeah. So I, I could sort of just sit there and, and, you know, try and calm myself down and think about other things and, you know, sort of have a bit of a moment to myself while Kennedy was being looked after by the two doctors and not actually require too much. Yeah. And so we, we landed in Wellington and I said, oh, she all good. And yeah. Yeah. No, didn't have to do anything. She's, she's fine. Yeah. And so that was, that was really relieving. Um, and so, yeah, we, we got to Wellington, um, Skaboo and yeah, she was put in, in there. Um, and, um, yeah, again, all on the monitors. Uh, we, I met the nurses that were in there that night and they said, look, she's, she's a good size for how early she is. Yeah. Um, she's a girl. So that's a good thing. Um, and I was sort of thinking, well, yeah, but you're just telling me this because she's a girl. <laughs> um, I don't know whether this is true or not, but oh well, you're telling me it's okay, so she's all good. Um, and they said, look, you, you're not going to be able to do anything now. You've had a big day, just go and have a sleep. And so they got me a room in, um, in the Skaboo unit and yeah, had a bit of a sleep as, as well as I could. Um, and then yeah, the next four, four, five weeks in Wellington. Yeah. Um, which was again another um blessing and a nightmare at the mm. same time. <laughs> um yeah, like the 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 Skibu and Niku staff that we dealt with are absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um they are so talented at what they do. They are so kind, caring, you know, they they comforted Kels and, and me whenever we needed it. Um they talked to us in plain English about what was going on. Um, and they were just so easy to deal with um, and sort of helped you with anything that you needed. And they taught us how to, to look after and do what they call her, her cares. Um, so you, you look after her and you, know, you, you change a nappy and, yeah. and do all that sort of stuff, um, wipe her face. And so you, you build, start building a bit of a bond together with the baby yeah. and, and with, the, with the nurses in the unit, which is, which is really nice. Um, and we, we stayed at, um, Ronald McDonald house. Yeah. Again, another fantastic facility straight across the, the road from the hospital. Um, and it was, it was really good in some ways. Um, but in some ways it was really, really hard yeah. at the same time. Um, we, I think it was about day three being in Wellington. Um, Kels was there. We'd sort of had a day getting you know, everything in check and figuring out what was going on and talking to the specialists and whatnot. And we, we'd come back from the hospital and, um, Kels was doing something and I just remember laying on the bed, bursting into tears, mm -hmm. going, why us? Yeah. Why are we doing this again? Why, why do we have to go through this? Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, like that was, that was the whole thing through the whole process is why do we have mm -hmm. to do this? Why, why us? Um, and then I sort of realized towards the end of it is that why us is because we can do it. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we can handle it. We can work through it. We can, and we have got through it. Yeah. Um, 
so it's it's just another thing that we had to sort of go through and and work work our way through um it was tough as hell yeah but we it's definitely made us um stronger as people and stronger as a couple and stronger as a family yeah um for what we had to go through so yeah it's pretty hectic time yeah. in wellington um and then after the the four or five weeks in wellington uh kennedy and kelsey were flown back to hastings and they were in there for another maybe six or seven weeks yeah in hastings um and that was a whole nother level um we thought yeah it's going to be a little bit easy we're at home um we're in our hometown you know we're going to have a family around us brocky's going to be able to go to kindy um he's in his own house yeah. we don't have to sort of try and battle with him in a in a you know in a in a room where yeah. we've got our bed and his bed and we're trying to get him to go to sleep while we're sitting in the bathroom trying to be quiet with the lights off <laughs> you know trying to have a conversation yeah. while he goes to sleep and all that sort of stuff but at the same time it was actually quite a lot harder um because we weren't just across the road yeah. we couldn't just go and check on her whenever we whenever we needed to um i was also back at work yeah. um so Kels was doing everything at the hospital sort of by herself um, so she would go over in the morning and um, get to the hospital about 8.30 and sort of spend the whole day there until about 5 o'clock when she'd come home. Um, and then I'd go to the hospital and spend the evening there. Yeah. So we were we were just basically ships in the night passing each other. Yeah. You know, we didn't really have <laughs> that much conversation. Um, and so that, that was it was a, a lot harder than Wellington. Um, we were so close to being home, um, but so far as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was tricky. Um, but Kels 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 did really really well. Um, she'd come to the the realization that uh, in Wellington that she needed to to express milk. Yeah. Um, that was the best thing for Kennedy. So she was like, no, I've come to terms with that. That's that's completely fine. I'm going to do that. I'm going to express. Um, again, not part of our plan. Yeah. Uh, that that was something that was just completely off the cards, but. Kels knew that she had to do it, so she was fine with it um, because it was the best thing for Kennedy. And then um, maybe a couple of weeks after she'd been expressing for a while, she said, I'm going to give breastfeeding a go. And I burst into tears again because <laughs> I was like, well, that's a mad decision because yeah. you, know, you didn't want to do that. You you completely wrote that off. Yeah. And um, we were driving back from her dad's place in Wellington, and she said, look, I'm, I'm going to give breastfeeding a go. I think I can do it. And I was like, shit, you know. Go for it. Like yeah. that's, that's amazing. You know, yeah. that's your choice. You want to do that. That's completely fine. I'll support you. Um, and she had a really, really good lactation consultant in Wellington and in Hastings Hospital. Um, and they helped her through everything. And, you know, she tried it for a couple of, couple of weeks, maybe. Um, but again, it, it just wasn't for her. Yeah. Um, she tried. Um, it just wasn't for her. And the, the, the nurses in the, in the unit were really, really good. They were like, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. Like it's fine. Yeah. You know? Don't don't stress about it. Like if you're going to express and you know give your baby milk, that's fine. If you're going to feed your baby formula, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. It's it's and it was a completely different um, sort of feeling from when we were in the the other ward with Brocky. Yeah. Um, they were they were more supportive of our choices of what we wanted to do. Yeah. They didn't push so hard. Um. So that was that was a really good feeling. Um. And so yeah, Kels carried on expressing for quite a long time after um kennedy was home as well yeah um 
and yeah, it was it was just a long process. Yeah. Um, we got to Bath Kennedy for the first time, which was amazing. Um, cuddles, yeah, I still remember, and we've still got photos up on our wall of Kennedy, um, no bigger than um, my forearm laying on my chest, yeah. and you know, it's it's just you you've, your first cuddles attached to a baby who is so tiny mm-hmm. um, with all these monitors and all that sort of stuff on and then as you as it progresses and she gets bigger and she gets stronger you know you've got cuddles without a, a foot monitor okay. you know measuring her heart rate yeah. and there's no ventilator and and all that sort of stuff so all these little wins sort of started to mount up um which were sort of it, it kept you going um, it was still tough but the little wins of you know you're getting a cuddle without a, a foot monitor um yeah. you get to bath her you know mum my mum gets a cuddle, Kelsey's mum gets a cuddle, yeah. Kelsey's sister gets a cuddle, you know, all those sorts of things sort of kept you going. Um, and then we were finally, we got the all clear to go, yep, no, nah, we're not doing anything for Kennedy. Um, the nurses, well, that's what the nurses said, you know, we're not really doing anything for Kennedy. Um, she doesn't need our help. Um, she still had to come home on oxygen, yeah. um, which was fine. Like that was, you know, that was something that we'd come to terms with because, because of how early she was and how underdeveloped her lungs were, she just needed that little bit of extra support. Yeah. And so she did come home on oxygen. Um, and so we finally got her home, and that was a massive relief. Um, we were home. We could you know, have her in our room. We could cuddle her whenever we wanted to um, and all that sort of stuff. So that was, that was an amazing feeling, being able to take her out of Skipoo, um and bring her home. Yeah. And... We, we, when we left, we had to stay overnight in the hospital with Kennedy in our, in a, in a, in a room. Yeah. Um, and we'd, we'd built quite a good relationship with quite a few of the nurses in there. And so they, they'd come in and see us and, you know, they're supposed to be doing their shift and they're in talking to us. Yeah. I'm not going to say who they were, but, yeah. um, good, good relationship with them. And, um, they have a really good system where they come and check on you a couple of times a week. Um, and we took Kennedy home and they, they basically followed us home and sort of, helped us get settled in uh, and sort of make sure that Kennedy was, was all good with her oxygen and, and all that sort of stuff. So the support from them, again, was utterly amazing. Yeah. Um, and we, we we still, Cal still messages them every now and then to sort of let her know how Kennedy's going. Yeah. And, um, they came around not so long ago and was just amazed at how well she's doing. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, incredible. And how did Brooke go sort of adjusting to um, Kennedy being at home and, yeah, big brother with his little sister finally at home? What was that like? He he was he was really good through the whole process. Yeah. Um, he struggled a little bit when we were in Wellington, obviously, yeah. because he wasn't at home. Um, you know, we're, we're not giving him, him the full attention sure. anymore. Um, and I would say, I would say it's a lot, but well, it is a lot worse than, you know, just having another sibling come into yeah, the house. Yeah. Um, because we were, we were in a different city. We were in a different place at Ronald McDonald, which he now calls his holiday house because <laughs> we were there for so long. Um, and we were, you know, at the hospital and then not at the hospital. And then he was back in Napier and then he was down to Wellington and he was staying out at Kelsey's dad's place. Yeah, and yeah. so he was sort of being shipped around everybody to try and try and make things work for us. Um, but he he was amazing. Every time he'd he'd want to come and see Kennedy, he'd he'd I want to see Kennedy. I want to see Kennedy. 
Um, and so he would, he would come in to the hospital with us and he would, he would sit there and watch Kennedy for a little bit and until, you know, the two and a half, three year old attention span was off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he would, yeah, he, he was really good. He'd want to hold her hand and he'd want to touch her and good boy. he'd want to, he wanted to help do stuff. And sort of when we got her home, um, he was real, he was still really, really good. Like yeah. he, he's, he plays with her amazingly. Obviously he's a little bit rough every now and then. He's a four year, almost four year old boy. Yeah. Um, but he, he's really good. Like he's, yeah, he, he'll run and get her dummy every time she cries yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. He knows when, when she wants her, her little snuggly and all that sort of stuff. So he's, he's really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's such a good little fella. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And sort of looking back, I guess, at your journey, you've been through a shitload in the last, um, four years or so. <laughs> I think it's probably pretty fair to say that. But if you think about, yeah, Kennedy and Brooke and, and sort of being a father, what do you think you'd say your favorite thing or favorite things are about being a dad? I think for me, um, seeing them learn and do stuff yeah. is, is amazing. Um, you know, we, we sort of take, take learning for granted to some degree. Yeah. Like, you know, it's easy for an adult to sort of learn how to do something quickly. Um, but seeing a, a little, a little person sort of learn how to crawl or learn how to sit for the first yeah. time and, um, you know, just, just little things like that, you know, Kennedy's, learning to to crawl and you know we call her the slug she's just dragging herself along the ground yeah. but it's amazing for her she's so happy to be able to move around yeah. and um she's she's starting to climb up on stuff um and brookie now like he's he's riding a scooter you know faster than i think he should be and he's he's doing all sorts of stuff you know it, it's i think that developmental thing for for a little person is amazing yeah um i think that's definitely the favorite part of seeing them just just learn how to do stuff yeah yeah, awesome. And what do you think, sort of, if um, there's other men out there listening to this podcast episode who are about to become dads for the first time, is there any um, advice or words of wisdom or, yeah, sort of any tips that you could give them to say, hey, this um, this is going to be okay? <laughs> um, it's really hard to say yeah. something because everything's everyone's journey's different yeah of course um obviously like I've, you know our one's been hell but it's paid off and i think it eventually does get easier yeah. um and that i think that's the main thing about it is it's hard to start you know I'd, I'd i'd love to hear someone you know and people do have it where they have an easy child and yeah. you know it is pretty straightforward but a lot of people do go through a troublesome time mm. But it does get easier. Yeah. Um, and I think that is probably one of the biggest things is that, you know, things change. Um, you learn how to do something and it does make it easier. And then something else changes and you learn how to do that and it gets easier. So I think it's just a progression of, yeah, it'll get easier. Yeah. Is, yeah, is pretty much it. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey with us. I've really loved talking to you and I actually just wish that I could give you and Kelsey both a really big hug. So, yeah, I'm um, super grateful to you for coming on the podcast. And I know that you also wrote in a um, letter to the neonatal trust about Kennedy. So I'll definitely link that with your episode for people to read too, because that was really beautiful. Yeah, it was It was actually quite quite nice to sort of write that letter. Yeah. Um, Kels wrote one as well and she sort of she said oh look I'm I'm doing this and she sent her one off and then I sort of 
I'd been writing a few things down as well, just sort of, just to clear my head, yeah. basically. Um, and I said, oh, look, here's this. And she said, oh, when have you done this? And I said, oh, I started a couple of weeks before you started your one. And she's like, what? And yeah, so she sent both of them in, yeah. um, which is, which is nice and, and sort of, you know, if, if it helps someone, that's cool. If someone reads yeah. it and goes, shit, that was bloody tough. Yeah. then again, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's just another way of sharing an experience that I've been through. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah no, amazing well thank you so much sam yeah like i said i really appreciate it and i think there'll be heaps of parents and parents to be out there who get a lot out of your episode so i really appreciate you sharing yeah it's fine that's good it was nice awesome thanks so much for listening to this episode of kiwi birth tales dad series once again a huge thank you to sam for coming on the episode of the podcast and sharing their journeys with us if you would like to be part of the dad series or that you think your partner might like to be part of the dad series, then feel free to send me a message on Instagram or an email, kiwibirthtales at gmail.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.